Welcome back, True Siders. I am your host, Angela. This is a true side of crime. I'd like to take a minute to say thank you to all of the listeners. Also, if you'd like to follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook at A True Side of Crime. If you want to, shoot us an email at a true side of crime at gmail.com. Also, on our anchor page, there is a place for you to leave listener messages. Go ahead and do so, and I'd love to play them on the following episode. Today, we're going to be covering the Mongo murders. This case took place in Mongo, Indiana, LaGrange County. This is really close to home for me because LaGrange County is about 45 minutes from where I live in Allen County. So this week, I kind of looked up Indiana code cases and I came across this one and it kind of stood out. It's got a few twists and turns, guys. So let's enjoy this ride. Terry Anderson was 59, Darlene Anderson, 57. They were a married couple, married 25 years, which is amazing. Terry was a loving father. He had been married three times. Darlene was his third wife, but 25 years, guys. So the third time must have been the charm. He had two older kids from his previous marriage. The first one. And after they turned 18, they kind of came back together with their dad and he was able to establish a relationship with them. I'm unsure why they didn't have a relationship previously. I didn't find it listed anywhere. And I don't really think that that is that important to the story. What is important is that they were able to get back in touch with their dad and, you know, rebuild that relationship. So... Terry, he was a fisherman and a hunter. He hunt uh, deer and turkey. Deer hunting is a big, big, big thing in Indiana and pretty much all of the Midwest. There's deer everywhere. If you're driving down a highway in Indiana, you are liable to see a deer. It is just a thing. It's population control. So it is what it is. He also like to ride jet skis and he had a boat that he used for musky fishing and to give musky fishing tours, which is pretty awesome that he knew that much about it. I'm a fisherman, but I don't know enough about any of these lakes to give a tour. He also won the Webster Lake musky club Ironman competition for anybody who doesn't know, because I didn't either. It's a 24 hour fishing competition. And he won, which is awesome. I don't think I could fish for 24 hours unless I had a lot of Red Bull or Monster or Rockstar or something. He was also a Navy vet. Uh, He worked for a removal, true removal and utility company. He was a supervisor, but it was said that he wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty, which is awesome. Everybody looks for a supervisor. He was an all-around good guy from everything that I've seen. The guy who's kind of loud but funny and lovable that everybody, you know, was a friend to. So Darlene, she was kind of the opposite of her husband. She was a little more reserved, not outdoorsy at all. She enjoyed antiquing and garage selling, which is something that she enjoyed to do with her stepdaughter, Sherry. 
which is one of Terry's daughters from his first marriage. She worked at Craft in Kendallville, which is about 30 minutes north of where I am. So Terry and Darlene sound like the average Midwestern couple, a loving couple, married a long time, setting their lives. They had a routine, which is probably why it was so easy for them to be targets. Terry and Darlene had one child together, a 20-year-old daughter named Amanda. Um, this was Darlene's only child and Terry's youngest child. So now that we know a little about them, that brings us to the morning their bodies were found, October 21st, 2005. That morning, their daughter Amanda was coming over to meet her father for work. And she walked in her parents' house to a gruesome scene. Her mother sitting on the couch with her legs up, a book on her lap, popcorn next to her, in her night closed, deceased. She was beat to death. So like anybody else would, Amanda called 911. She told them that her mom had been shot. They sent police out. At the time, nobody knew where Terry's body was. So they didn't even know if he was dead. If he was the perpetrator of this crime or if he was kidnapped, they didn't know what was going on. So they looked for Terry, obviously. They eventually found him in the pole barn. While they were investigating, they called his eldest daughter, Sherry, who lived in Illinois at this time. She drove down to Indiana with her husband and their toddler. By the time she got there, they had already found her father. A detective brought her her father's wallet. and She confirmed that everything that was normally in it was there, except for any cash that he would have had. Now, Terry had just came back from doing tree removal from one of America's worst natural disasters, Hurricane Katrina. And most of us remember the damage that Katrina did and how horrible it was down in New Orleans in the Texas area. Well, Terry went down there with the company he worked for, cut down, removed some trees, and, you know, just helped out like that. And obviously, it was a very lucrative time. So when he came back, he had some extra money. Only the people in his close circle knew that he had this money. So the police are there. They investigate. They're obviously trying to put together a timeline, trying to figure out what happened. But there's not a lot of evidence. There wasn't much left. It's been speculated that the assailant cleaned the crime scene or at least tried to. Tried to clean up any of their fingerprints or footprints. 
which meant this person was comfortable in this house that they spent this extra time trying to clean it up. So the police kind of put together a timeline and I'm going to go through that with you guys so we can kind of see how they believe everything went that day. So normally Darlene would get home before Terry. She did so on this day also. She went down to the local Mongo County store and played the lotto, which was a hobby that she and Terry shared. Terry got home around five. He also went back out to the same store to play the lotto again, chopped it up with one of the clerks, which is we all do it. You go to the same store consistently you get to know the people that work there sometimes you talk to them you spend a little extra time in the store when he got home he went to his barn to work on his tractor Darlene went and visit her mother on the property she lived on a trailer they had a lot of acreage so there was room for her to have her own space she comes home she makes snacks for herself and Terry sits down to read her book And soon after, she's gruesomely and horribly murdered. uh, Terry was in the pole barn. He was working on his tractor. This, they believe that he was murdered second. The assailant came up from behind and beat him. Which means that he felt comfortable enough to turn his back on this person which makes this crime 10 times as horrible to me because that's a huge betrayal of somebody that you trusted they speculate Darlene died first I haven't been able to find any hard evidence to support that theory but it's what the police believe so They get their theory together. They're investigating the house. They ask Sherry's husband, Eric, to do a walkthrough with them after they remove the bodies to just let them know if anything was taken. And from what Eric could see, um, a gun, a 22 was taken, some collective coins, a bow and arrow was, but they left the arrows and about $10,000 the cash that Terry had from New Orleans. The cash he was going to use to upgrade his boat. So that's what he had plans to do with it. What they did not find was a murder weapon. They also have not been able to narrow down whether it was a hatchet or not. I've seen some reports where it was a hammer, but not anything that was actually confirmed. They actually don't know. The thing about this case is that the cops are keeping a lot of information very close to the vest. They're not sharing it with the family or anyone else. So they, neither one of them had any defensive wounds on their body at all, which is unusual in such a savage attack. But this led the police to believe that it was somebody that the Andersons were familiar with. They didn't think they were a threat. 
they welcomed them in their home and went about their daily day thinking nothing like this would ever happen. Not thinking twice about this person's presence, which is extremely sad and unfortunate because this person came there that day to do them harm. How do you do that to somebody you trust? Well, and that trusts you. It's crazy. The house wasn't ransacked. Like the person knew what they were looking for, went and got it. And that was it. Also, it was reported that the dog was tied up at the only entrance into the barn. Which Sherry, the eldest daughter, said that Terry nor Darlene would do because the dog was allowed to roam free. They were home. So if they didn't tie the dog up, that means that the assailant probably tied the dog up. Which means that this dog was familiar with this person. Because dogs generally don't just let anybody tie them up. Especially bull mastiffs. They're pretty territorial dogs. And if they don't know you, they can be aggressive. So this dog trusted this person. Terry and Darlene trusted this person. It had to have been somebody close. And just the pure anger and overkill in this murder indicates some sort of passion, a personal connection, that personal anger. This person felt like they were wronged in some way. And I'm not a psychologist, but in order for you to beat someone's head in so ruthlessly I don't know another issue this case had and it had a few the biggest one is the police were not prepared for this they hadn't had a murder in four years in Mongo or LaGrange County that's not something that happens very often there so they were not prepared to deal with this they didn't know how to conduct a murder investigation. And it showed. One of the biggest ways that it showed is only after a few hours, it's been reported that the cops left the scene of the crime and didn't lock it down. They just let Sherry's husband, Eric, walk in. They talked to him and they told him that he could clean the house if he wanted because they couldn't get people out for a while. At least a few days. Obviously Eric didn't want his wife. Nor his toddler to see this house like this. He didn't even want his sister-in-law to see it. She was 20 years old. And it just lost her parents. So. He decided to. Clean up the house. While he was doing so. A family friend came. And he assisted him. All the bloody items. That were in the home. Curtains couch everything like that was burned because he didn't know how to get the blood out and he wanted to do it quickly which I don't blame him if your wife and your toddler child are there you don't want them shown this you do not want them to have to experience that but 
it's not okay as far as evidence goes. Like, What if the cops needed something like that? Why didn't they just lock the house down or take those things with them? That's something I want to understand. They did, however, come back to the house the next day to check the safe that they couldn't get into. Which is still weird to me because if you had to come back to the house to investigate, why didn't you keep it a crime scene? Why did you let people go in it and tell them that they could clean it and be there? That's just unusual to me. The one thing that the cops are saying, and they're saying it pretty confidently, is that they know who killed Terry and Darlene. But the family's not so sure. They are determined to prove that it is a man named Terry Durbin. He was a co-worker of Terry Anderson's. Now, Durbin is currently in prison for a murder in 2009. October of 2009, Terry Durbin was selling marijuana. He had a friend who he knew. His dad bought marijuana. He had did a deal with him and went fine. A little while later, Durbin had told a family member that he was going to rob the guy who he had sold the marijuana to. So he reaches out to this gentleman, sets up a deal, ultimately kills him, takes the money, and dumps his body in Ohio. He's convicted of this in 2010. So Durbin is in prison for the murder of somebody for about nine to ten thousand dollars. That sounds kind of familiar. The ten thousand dollars. So I would say that it's possible he could have done it. The question is, how did he know about this money? How would he know their routine? He wasn't that close to them, he was merely a co worker. That is why Sherry thinks that there's holes in the police's theory. She believes that there had to be more than one perpetrator. There's no way that that guy was able to pull this off alone. He didn't know enough about her dad and her stepmom. He wouldn't have been as welcome in their home as other people. Due to this, some people have begun to speculate that maybe Amanda had something to do with her parents' murder, which is a hard thing to think about a 20-year-old girl murdering her parents or having them murdered, but it's not outside the realm of possibility. It's happened before. Sometimes not for money. Uh, sometimes it's out of pain or anger or control. Look at Gypsy Rose. She had her boyfriend murder her mom. It happens. 
it should never happen, but it does. So some of the reason people believe that Amanda might have had something to do with it, even if she did not murder her parents herself. Some of her behavior after the deaths were odd, so much so that Sherry said that it's a possibility. She hopes it's not true, but it is a possibility that Amanda has something to do with it. Even Amanda's best friend thinks that her behavior was extremely odd. So Amanda, after her parents died, she did interviews, which is not unusual. It's something that people do a lot. But she told the uh, newspaper that she wanted to renovate her parents' house, make their dream her dream, tear down a pole barn, get rid of things. That's weird. Your parents just died four days ago. That's the first thing on your mind? Not justice? Not immediately justice for your mother and father who were brutally murdered? I couldn't even fathom living in that house. I couldn't fathom being feeling safe in that house. Knowing my parents were murdered. I would be uneasy that maybe the murderer would come back. Maybe I'd be next. But two weeks after their death, she moved back in the house. She lived there with what became her ex-boyfriend. And her best friend. I don't know that I could walk through a room that used to be soaked in my mother's blood. That ugh, it gives me the chills just thinking about it. Maybe that's just me. If it's not, feel free to let me know. What would you do in that situation? She also began selling their belongings. Which I guess isn't weird, but it was only weeks after their death. I don't know. It's just, it's unusual at the least. And after the funeral, she didn't allow her siblings back on the property. Matter of fact, she shut them out completely. Not responding to phone calls, not answering the door. She was... Given the inheritance, she inherited everything. But there was instructions that she was to share with her siblings, which she didn't. She kept everything to herself and she blew through it at an astronomical rate due to drug issues that she had. That'll make you do a lot of things that you wouldn't normally do. These meth issues that she had is part of the reason that people think that maybe she had something to do with her parents' death. Maybe she was angry or she needed money, but all we have is maybes because in June of 2014, Amanda died from what's speculated to be an overdose, but the police never confirmed one way or another. They just said she died suddenly. For Sherry, she believes that 
Amanda took information with her to the grave that she knew something that she hadn't told anybody that there was something she knew that could crack this case, but it all, it ended with her. If she did know something, she never told anybody, not anybody who was willing to come forward at least. And that's really sad. It's really tragic. You have these three members of this family. Two of them are brutally murdered. And nine years later, the daughter dies. And it would be easy to say that it was her parents' death that sent her down a spiral. But from everything I read, she already had a drug issue before they died. Maybe this intensified it. Brought on an early death. Was it the drugs or was it the guilt? We'll never know unless somebody admits to something. If it was Terry Durbin, unless he confesses, we'll never know. And because there's no confessions, no new evidence, this case has been very slow moving. The family believes it's partially due to improper investigation on the part of the police. The police say they just didn't have enough evidence. We may never know the truth because if this case keeps going away, it's going, it'll never be solved. And I hope that's not true for Sherry and her husband and her child and her brother. That's, it's a hard thing to know that your parents were murdered and the person who did it is probably walking the earth just fine living their everyday life I don't know how I would feel about that so here's what I think I think it did have to be somebody that they knew somebody that would be expected somebody that didn't stand out they were used to having around somebody that the dog knew the scent of because it was too clean. There was no struggle, nothing. And for that to happen, it had to have been somebody who they recognized, who they would allow in their house and they didn't see as a threat. Somebody who knew that they had that money and wanted it for themselves, which is a horrible, horrible thing. You can rob people all day. You don't have to kill them. Maybe this person was scared that they'd be identified if they did. We may never know. But the family hasn't given up hope. A foundation was started in Terry and Darlene Anderson's, their memory There is a $20,000 reward for the arresting conviction of Terry and Darlene's murders. If you have any information, please contact the LaGrange County Sheriff. You can contact them at 260-463-7491. Or you can call Crime Stoppers of South Bend City at 800 800- Three four two, stop. Please, if you know something, give this family some closure. Call.
call the sheriff's office. If you want to be anonymous, call Crime Stoppers. Just allow this family to know who killed their parents, grandparents, their friend. I feel like unless somebody comes forward, this case will never be solved. So if you know something, please come forward. That's it for a true side of crime today. Once again, thank you for listening. I really appreciate you. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and leave us a voice message on our anchor page. Until next time, stay safe, true siders. <laughs>